to know that there will be a market for, you know, an entrepreneur's given innovation has a huge world of difference for setting the tone for kind of where their journey is going. We're not competing here. We really need to be holding hands and helping each other make as much impact as we can. Welcome back to Joy at Work. It's our fourth season, and I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Carney. This season on Joy at Work, we'll be talking to people who are driving innovation and using joy as their fuel and their foundation. Today, I'm welcoming two people who spend a lot of time thinking about innovation. First, we'll hear from John Dutton. John is leading an entrepreneur revolution as the head of Uplink, which is an ambitious endeavor hosted by the World Economic Forum. Their ambition is to support people with ideas and solutions to address the world's biggest challenges and to support positive systemic change for people and our planet. And stay tuned for an inspiring conversation with Shaylee Mehta, an ecopreneur whose startup is committed to reforesting the world. So welcome, John. Pleasure to be here with you, Alex. We were in Davos together recently, and I heard about how Uplink is working with entrepreneurs to solve some really big global challenges, and we've got a lot of them these days. It's very exciting. We'd all love to hear how your work is coming together right now. So tell us first about Uplink. Sure. Thank you, Alex. Listen, Uplink came together as a vision of how we could support entrepreneurs everywhere in the world who might not be in those typical, let's say, innovation ecosystems in Silicon Valley and in the East Coast or in the Oxbridge Corridor to really get a lot of support and help for the ideas that can scale. It is the open innovation platform of the World Economic Forum. It's been founded by three partners alongside the World Economic Forum, Salesforce, and Deloitte. We work extensively and, and really are trying to support the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We refer to them as the SDGs. It's people that are trying to bring sustainability and a long-term approach to affecting change for people and planet. But uh, we started with nature. We've looked at the ocean ecosystem, the plastic economy and circular economy space, and of course, also in the area of water. Now, the reason why this has taken off we think is because there are amazing innovators and entrepreneurs across the world, and we're helping to tell their story, but also get other people inspired about it. In two years, we've been able to bring together about 4,000 entrepreneurs who have submitted their companies onto the platform, but then a whole wealth of investors, experts who are evaluating the solutions, young people who might want to work for them, people in corporates who are looking how they can connect in their ambitious CSR and innovation objectives into some of these companies, and in general, the public who is just perhaps just interested in seeing the world become a better place. This is great what you're doing. So congratulations so far on getting the uplift and scaling up. What are some specific stories and projects that are most exciting to you? You know, a first story is is a young woman founder called uh, Neveda RM from a, a company called Trashcon. Now, she grew up in a part of India where walking down the street in Mumbai, she is seeing just trash everywhere. And she had a vision of one day being able to hear from her daughter the question, Mama, what is this trash that you talk of? And so she began a discovery, spent two years with her co-founder, really understanding the life of waste pickers and developed an automated bot. They call it Trash Bot, which does sorts out trash from inner city in developing countries, although also is now being used in some developed country cities as well, and separates out into a couple things. So first is the organic waste. And she uses this vivid example of picking up the trash of used diapers and nappies 
nappies and all sorts of things that you really wouldn't want to touch or you, any human want to have to sort through. So this trash bot ends up doing that for it. And then the rest of it, they're looking through in terms of plastic waste. There are some plastic waste that can be recycled. They say around 15%. Then there's around, you know, 75, 80% that is going to be that you can't recycle in a way. They're able to use it then to create essentially upcycling this plastic waste into things they can sell. Furniture, tiles that you can put out on your deck or inside your office and a whole range of products. We were also excited last week to launch a new endeavor looking to spark an aquapreneur revolution. So water entrepreneurs that are really trying to make a difference in the freshwater ecosystem. One of them is a company called Desolinator. And Desolinator is a, a physical, it's hardware. So a lot of the entrepreneurs that are getting funding, especially in that software space, and it's easy for people to invest in them without the big hardware investment that's needed. Now, Desolinator is a company that is in the big hardware space. They are taking solar technology and using it to desalinate water. And then the last water entrepreneur that I'd feature is one called AquaCycle. She's out on the West Coast with you. Her name's Oriana Brechker. And AquaCycle does wastewater treatment. But what it does, which is quite interesting and innovative is that it creates it in these little block units that depending on the amount and intensity of the, the wastewater that needs to be purified or let's say uh, treated, you have different numbers and combinations of the blocks that you put together. Now, it is all actually through electromagnetic technology. It's also a end-to-end -end energy neutral treatment. So it, it can be used for a local household, but it also can be scaled up into a unit that is big enough to do wastewater treatment. They've been operating with pilots in alongside PepsiCo factories and also looking to kind of scale up and provide pretty interesting solutions in both the, the household but industrial spaces as well. So listen, just a couple examples of the types of entrepreneurs that we're seeing come through. It's been so fun to meet them and hear about their challenges and opportunities. So these examples are so amazing and inspirational. And what's interesting to me is that we're combining the investment appetite and urgency with some real innovation, applying technologies against these problems. One question for you, what makes these projects successful? Because these are great ideas and identifying and repurposing and recycling. These have been around a long time, but what makes them successful from your experience? Well, you know, I think we have this tendency to tell a rosy story about a founder and their journey towards success. My experience over the last years working with this group of innovators is that it's much less straightforward. I think there is a few aspects, though, that, that we've seen that are kind of core to, to making sure that we have success amongst these innovators. I think one is just is a resiliency, a resiliency to kind of believe in their solution and, you know, be able to kind of make this transition towards the business acumen to actually build a business. And I'm sure with Carney, you see this all the time. You may have a fantastic business idea, but without the right leadership team in place, you may struggle. And this is, I think, a transition moment for a lot of these startups that is crucial. The other piece that I think is really crucial is about being able to access ecosystem and get that credibility. Then I think the last piece is about somewhat of the willingness to kind of try, fail, and learn for the next round, right? To build up the right type of support system to see them succeed over the long run. Well, it's great to hear you. You have people that bring purpose and passion, and there's so many people in the world that want these ventures to succeed. And then combining it with the investment discipline and some of the lessons learned for any startup seems to make sense to me, John. Now, you're in a great platform. The World Economic Forum has great convening power. It's a great convener brand. You're bringing people from regulatory government, private sector, people with real passion about certain areas and projects, bringing the public and private sector together, all those consortiums. How important do you see these public-private partnerships in the future? future for continuing to seed this innovation and accelerate it. 
Listen, I think it's crucial. There are a couple of areas in which it plays a really outsized role. One of them is actually upstream. You know, when you have the demand from companies, let me take one of the forum's initiatives, the First Movers Coalition, which is an endeavor in which companies are committing to put a certain percentage of technology and investment in transition to net zero. Now, when they are making that commitment, it's a demand signal for both the investors and entrepreneurs to be able to come in and provide the solutions for them and to know that there will be a market for, you know, an entrepreneur's given innovation has a huge world of difference for setting the tone for kind of where their journey is going. I think on the other side is also the importance of some of the, the government and interorganizational support systems and policy direction. We have had the pleasure of working with an international organization called the Inter-American Development Bank and particularly their IDB lab, which is doing a lot of investment in the the startup ecosystem. So they invest in startups, but they also invest in providing grants to earlier stage folks. They've been crucial in trying to provide kind of that full look across the startup ecosystem in helping to develop both the startups as well as some of those up and coming venture managers that need the visibility, showcase and credibility, perhaps as much as some of the entrepreneurs. You've created with Uplink a bottoms up innovation platform it's open to anyone with an innovative idea. And now there's this ecosystem of folks, private, public sector, to help drive it forward. It's a bit more like democratized innovation and leadership. And at the World Economic Forum, which has often been criticized in quarters for its leadership elitism, its top down, its people that are already in power. Can you talk about how this sort of flipping of the script is working and the future vision for Uplink? I'm lucky to have spent the first decade of my career at the forum working with some of our foundations, Young Global Leaders, Global Shapers, the Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship. And those communities are really touching people on the ground all over the world in a way that kind of contradicts that the perception that you shared about Davos and the forum. And really, in a lot of ways, Uplink is an extension of that. It's the first platform that we have built in a digital space that is open and free to anyone, anywhere. And that's been an important part of our DNA. It's also one of the first things where there's an action. It's not just kind of reaching out with some knowledge for people to consume, but it's saying, hey, we're calling on you. We need your help for some of these big SDG issues. And we're asking for you to supply your idea and your solution. I wanted to flip to uh, the topic of leadership. I know you and I both love sports, but on this topic of sports, which is, you know, playing on teams, getting them to reach full potential, participating, coaching them to the next level. I'm curious your philosophy about building and leading teams because you're building a team right now. So I have picked up, I, I will give a little bit of a shout out to a company called Sendel, and they have inspired me with a, a notion of five H's that they use in hiring. And basically, you got to make sure that people are happy, hungry, and humble. And then in, in addition to that, that they're high achieving and honest. So the five H's for me has always the, been one of the most important things when I'm looking at hiring people. It's that combination of are they the right people with the right attitude, but also have perhaps some inner desire and hunger to do things in, in a way that's going to go that extra mile. But that they're also happy and that they can bring in a little bit of the theme of this podcast. They can bring some joy to the atmosphere of building a team. Well, first, I love your five H's. I mean, that's another way of expressing it. People want to have role clarity and harmony. They want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. They know what their role is. They contribute to it authentically and passionately. And they're trained for it, obviously. But also acknowledgement, like praise, being seen, 
being sense of belonging, and then sort of having the impact and the purpose, which maps very much to your five H's, your happy, hungry, humble, high achieving, and honest. And if you do that, if you play hard, you play smart, you play together, then you will have a chance at something great. And that's where you feel in the moment that you're happy, that you're doing the right thing. And so I think this resonates a lot. The other piece that I picked up from your principles are, you know, the importance of learning and coaching. You can't be a good coach if you're not a good student, you know, a student of other people, what makes them tick, what makes them excited. Well, you're in a great space and I love your passion and already the progress in scaling and enabling, you know, the solutions to hit the world. I mean, there's so many big problems out there. There's so much pent up passion and people power that needs to be unleashed. And Uplink is such an amazing story. I wish you well on that. Well, thank you very much, Alex. It's been a pleasure to be here with you today. And now let's hear from one of those ecopreneurs that John mentioned earlier. Please meet Shaley Mehta. We asked Shaley to share more about her startup's mission and her vision for changing the way entrepreneurs work together. Hello, my name is Shaley Mehta, and I'm the co-founder of Acacia Eco. So Acacia Eco is a social enterprise that I founded with my father. It all started in 2016 when we first heard about the Miyawaki method of afforestation. And we were just really intrigued by the idea that you could have a dense, fast-growing forest in your backyard that becomes self-sustainable in two years. So we did a small pilot forest. And in just a few months, we were blown away by the results. And we could see that this could be a really powerful tool, especially for urban greening. And that's how Acacia Eco was born. So we still plant these high-density native forests that are inspired by the Miyawaki method, but we also plant individual trees, grassland, shrubs, develop water bodies, and basically focus on reviving ecosystems and habitats. And we've planted close to 100 forests with more than 900,000 trees. And because of the carbon sequestration, we can actually register these projects to get carbon credits. And basically, there is an entire evolving carbon market with companies and corporates who are looking at becoming carbon neutral and investing in these kind of large-scale projects. We say our goal is to have a few carbon neutral cities in India, at least, and then hopefully expand that goal to a carbon neutral world. Before we started working with Uplink, I think we felt like we were working in isolation. When you're on the Uplink platform, you get to meet amazing people who are doing some really great work across the globe and have such a huge impact. And that's really motivating and inspiring. The technical sessions they have are really informative, but also a great way to network with people who are doing similar work to learn from, to share best practices and to share experiences. And I think it's also been really important and advantages for us in terms of increasing our visibility, connecting with new customers, and in a sense, building our credibility. So I think a lot of social enterprises like ours, smaller ones, don't have the bandwidth or the expertise to market our work really well. And Uplink's just been a great partner in that sense. I think most startups, and particularly eco-focused startups, the initial access to customers is probably the most challenging. I think for us, that meant access to land and funding. But I think it's important to be persistent and power through 
things are changing, especially in the last few years with, you know, the pandemic, the realization around urgent climate action and the evolution of these carbon markets. I also think that an overlap of sectors and fields that wouldn't normally work together could be a game changer. So for climate action, I think the foresters and the practitioners, ecologists need to be working with design thinkers, technologists and bankers. And that's kind of what we're trying to do through Acacia as well is create a platform where we can build these kind of partnerships to collectively work towards large impact. But these kind of platforms, I think, are really exciting to me because it's an opportunity to get the message out to people who are not related to climate action currently to bring their experience and their background and really join this critical movement of restoring nature. I think we need to stop thinking in linear ways and need to be thinking in systems. To restore nature, we need to be thinking like nature in ecosystems and not in isolation. So we need to be working together to create an ecosystem that supports enhances and leverages each other's work. We're not competing here. We really need to be holding hands and helping each other make as much impact as we can. And once we do that, we need to push the boundaries of scale and speed because it's a long road ahead. And I think a lot of us struggle mainly with the access to networks and funding and all of these are solvable problems. So like I said, I think if people come together and work together, we would really be able to focus on what we do best, which is converting these degraded lands into forests. And if we're supported by businesses and organizations that are best at what they do, like capital allocators or consultancy firms, if they can help us take care of some of the business model sides, we would be able to achieve a lot more. So I think there's just a lot of scope for all of us to work together towards a common objective. And finally, we asked Shaylee how she finds joy in her work. I was thrilled to hear Shaylee reference one of my personal favorite concepts, Ikigai. There is a Japanese concept called Ikigai, which stayed with me uh, ever since I heard it. And it's something I often talk about. And there's no English translation for the word, but the term embodies the idea of happiness in living. So an easy way to visualize it would be a Venn diagram with four overlapping qualities. What you love, what you're good at, what you could be paid for, and what the world needs. And the idea is if you're able to find your ikigai, you won't need to find happiness, but you'll be able to experience happiness in living. And I truly believe I've found my ikigai in the work I do. So I experience joy doing my work on a daily basis, even in the smallest of tasks. I talk about that to anyone who's, you know, getting any career advice or anything. I think it's like, find your ikigai and the rest will fall in place. I think that working with nature is really satisfying in itself. And seeing the impact of the work we do is, I think, what is a constant reminder and a really big motivator. So I've seen really barren pieces of land now being a oxygen park where residents who live around go for daily walks and kids are playing there. And I think that visual is just so amazing in my mind. And that really keeps me and my entire team going. And that's kind of now what we're trying to showcase and show to everyone else. Many thanks to Shaylee Mehta and John Dutton for inspiring us all and helping us kick off this new season of Joy at Work. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to hear more conversations about joy and innovation coming soon. And I'm excited to share that my new book, Joy Works, is coming this fall. I cannot wait to share this deeper exploration of joy at work 
with you. JoyWorks is available for pre-order now wherever you buy books. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward during uncertain times. We're inspired by Fast Forward, Carney's breakthrough business builder. Fast Forward works with leaders across the globe to inspire new business models that enhance stakeholder value and accelerate tech-enabled growth. Learn more about the show and about our innovative work at carney.com slash joyatwork. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out the other shows in the Carney Podcast Network, including Inside the Mind. Carney's consumer practice leaders uncover how and why people shop today. What does our new consumer behavior mean for the future of the retail industry? And on Supply Chain Shocks, our operations partners explore how supply chains are transforming in order to meet new demands and constraints.